0: Welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And we're in Revelation 5, still in the same paragraph we've been for two episodes, but just
1: episode 742 in Revelation. Nope, not that far. We will be.
0: God has a scroll. No one can open it. Not in the heavens, not on earth, not under the earth, the entire cosmos. And all the beings that exist, that have ever existed, are incapable of opening this thing. Because it has seven seals, right? It's got seven seals, and no one can open it. And then, and then, this would be an epic moment, like... I want to see it. Okay, so... Lost music started? <laughs> yes. Uh, John starts weeping because no one's worthy to open the scroll and look into it. And then one of the elders, one of those 24 uh, deacons of sort sorts, uh, says, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll. And it's seven seals. This is an epic moment, right? What? Root of David. Yeah, so that's a call back into, I'm going to say the psalm. No, Isaiah? Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its root shall bear fruit. So this was always, this is back to like the messianic prophecies, that one day David would have a descendant who would be an eternal king who rules over the world for all eternity.
1: It's still very weird that it's a branch from the root. Like, I don't see branches coming out of roots that often with trees. A branch from his roots. Right.
0: Roots don't, like, stay on one thing. Roots branch off, just like your tree trunk will branch off. But those are all considered roots, though. There's a stump of Jesse, and then um, a branch from his roots. Jesse is the roots of the stump. The branch is coming off the stump.
1: Alright, branch off the stump makes sense. <laughs> branch off the root does
0: not. It's poetry. It's the same thing restated twice. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Okay, that's one image. Stump of Jesse, shoot. A makes branch sense. from his roots. A branch from Jesse. Jesse's the root with the branch. Okay. Alright. <laughs> now Olivia's confused. You've confused Olivia. Listen, I have plants. Oh, you have plants? You can actually have, like, branches up from the roots sometimes. Okay. Well, That's you how, can like, have branches from the roots, will, like, too. See I, didn't, you see, I didn't know that was It'll, a thing. It'll like, become, like, a new, essentially, trunk. But, like, it yeah. doesn't really happen with trees, I don't think. Well, okay. <laughs> it's poetry, dang it! All right. <laughs> uh, Sorry, it was just the way you said it, I was like... That doesn't make any sense, but well it's a callback. It's to remind us of the prophecy that one day there would be a king who would come along and reign forever in God's eternal plan. Okay. So when he calls it the lion of the tribe of Judah, what is that a call out to? Narnia. One of these came much later than the other. <laughs> I know, but that's what I think of every time. I can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay, well, the lion is a callback to Genesis. We did a whole episode on this one, uh, where if you go way back to Genesis 49, 9, when when, uh, uh, Jacob is dying, remember how he blesses all of his kids? Yeah. Except for Dan seems to get like the bitter end of things. Well, Judah... Uh, When he blessed Judah, we did that episode, Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouches a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? So you have Judah, right? And then uh, in the same breath, you have the root of David. David comes from the tribe of Judah. Judah is the lion, and now we have Jesus, who is descended from David, from Judah, from Adam and Eve, right? So this is almost like a genealogical statement, but more importantly, it's it's the whole it's the whole uh, messianic statement as to who we've been waiting for. Tracking? Yeah. Okay. Now here's the most incredible part, and this this is crucial to understand, in my opinion, the, the rest of Revelation rightly. Okay. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So wait, this lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. Yeah. Why is that weird? Because <laughs> I'm trying to picture. Spider other... lamb. <laughs> spider lamb. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much whatever that. A spider lamb does. Uh, yeah. Spiky um, spider lamb. So yeah, people of course can argue about the horns and eyes, uh, but um, the most typical translation is the horns represent power and that the eyes represent wisdom. Now I think you can go further than that because eyes in ancient context, the eyes um, eyes are another word for stars. The stars are the eyes of the heavens. Uh, I know that sounds strange to us, but that actually makes a lot of sense of revelation right remember uh the four living creatures one with the head of an ox an eagle a human and a lion thank you yeah (laughs) the other one the lion right yeah those were filled with eyes and what did we decide that those creatures were the constellations right of an ox a lion a human and an eagle all 90 degrees from each other, so they represent, if you will, a, a compass. Right? Mm-hmm. They're filled with eyes. They're filled with stars, which is all the more reason that you see the constellation being stated right there. So when uh, when the light, when the um, when the lamb shows up and it has seven eyes, there is another possibility we could go with. Saying, is this a constellation too? Right? Uh, which it was in ancient times. It was a lamb um, that I think was actually supposed to be like the very first. I don't want to follow that path too much because I don't, I haven't researched it that much. But I think it was supposed to be like the very first constellation or God's first creation in a lot of ancient thinking of of a, uh, astronomy type thing, which would then fit like Jesus is the first creation of God. You know, like he, because he is God. Uh, things like that. He was there in the beginning, um, so you could see overlapping themes if that was the way that ancient people thought of that constellation. But it's a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Let me actually pull up a picture for you here. In fact, this one might be good to might be good to get up on the. No, oh, that's not touchscreen. Uh, up on the projector screen here you know what I'm saying. So here's a picture of the lamb. Right. In a moment. Any second now. Why'd you put it up on the screen? (laughs) There. Hey, okay. The constellation. I want to say Aries, but is that correct? I don't know what to tell you on that one. Okay. Well, oh no. Okay. You just lost it. So right right here, this lamb is a constellation, but it's also... Uh, um, you see how its head is completely backwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because it's... You know, ancient people would just say it was staring backwards, but if John is working off this constellation, this lamb filled with eyes, uh, then he would likely be saying, like, it was slain. Like, it looks like its head's been broken, like it's been killed, you know? Uh, sacrificed or something like that so John's repurposing what people already kind of had there uh, but here in this this interesting story here you've, you've got this weird uh, um, lamb walking into to the scene that's filled with eyes horns so whether it's a constellation or whether it's just an example of power and uh, um, wisdom whatever the case is both I think could be true to some extent but it's filled with seven horns, seven eyes, so that would be perfect, full wisdom, full strength. Um, and I think the, the chief piece that you need to catch on to that I was mentioning earlier um, is the fact that what is Jesus in this passage? Slain. Yeah, that's, that's a big point, too. But like, what being is he? He is the lamb. What about the lion?
1: He's the lion too. <laughs> <laughs> He's both.
0: <laughs> yes. Ish, I think is the answer. This is where this so Revelation I think you interpret it two ways. One way is it's filled with blood and it's filled with with anger and pouring out wrath, and it's just like the bloodiest, scariest book of the whole Bible, you know? We went from Old Testament, that was bloody and scary, to peaceful Jesus who tells us to love our enemies, to revelation that's like blood as high as a horse's <laughs> neck flooding the whole earth. And you get to this passage, and this is the one that anyone who's feeling bloodthirsty always goes to. I remember sitting in a, a group of uh, uh, leaders once, and someone just... Uh, had a they had been in the military and just had like this real like what it means to be a man kind of ideology like it means to be like violent or or angry or vengeful, you know I don't know just something tough. yeah tough things like that um, whereas I I pointed out because he's like yeah you know but you gotta remember God like Jesus is a lion he's he's coming back I'm like, he's coming back he's gonna get justice. But in this passage, he's not a lion. What it says, and let's read it specifically. um, One of the elders said, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne of the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. There was never a lion. The lion was introduced, right? But it was never seen. So the way that we should picture this story is like, John is in the heavens, and then one of the elders cries cries out, you know, like, Behold, here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah! And you can imagine John, just like all of the people of his time who were waiting for that violent angry uh tough messianic figure to show up john's got me thinking like oh the lion you know like here we go and he's maybe making his way through the elders to kind of peer over but when he gets there he sees a lamb the lion is a lamb is the better way i think to say i know we sing a hundred songs where he's the lion and the lamb and that's true because that just happened But when John finally gets there, he never saw a lion. He just saw the lamb. The lamb is a lion, I think is the more theological, correct way to to say this. And it's not just a lamb, it's a lamb soaked in blood. And it's not just blood, it's his blood, not the blood of his enemies. He's slain, he's been killed, his neck is turned backwards, it's been snapped, right? And yet at the same time he's standing, he's alive, it's like zombie lamb coming in here. is he standing though? Because that leg is totally bent. As far as the constellation goes, I don't know which way they would say that. As far as John writes it, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been <clears throat> slain. As though it had been slain. Like, such a strange, <laughs> strange image. But, like, this is the uh, hobbling lamb of victory that John says conquered, right? Now that word is going to keep coming up throughout Revelation, but how did the lamb conquer? By dying. He died.
1: Yeah. He uh, he made himself into a bomb
0: and then No, 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 no. I don't know where you're going no. with this. No. Uh, the lamb the I'm lamb kidding, by the way. The lamb conquered. And that's going to continue to come up. Wow all throughout Revelation, actually. <laughs> I just clicked I clicked it to see where else it appears, and whenever it gets translated conquer, it's all Revelation. So, uh, the one who conquers, I will grant to eat from the tree of life. Now, the one who conquers will not be hurt by a second death. The one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. The one who conquers will keep my works until the end. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. The one who conquers... I will grant him to sit on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. One who conquers. uh, Oh, no, keep going. But, like, it's such a weird concept to think about
1: conquering through sacrifice. Like, on earth, I just don't get that part.
0: Well, this is straight up, like, Sermon on the Mount stuff, right? Right. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the the earth. earth. Right. Meek people don't inherit earth please have your earth you know like no get off my lawn you know like that's not how it works uh the peacemaker blessed are the peacemakers they shall inherit the kingdom of god right am i saying that right i think so no blessed are the peacemakers for they are the sons of god when you think of like glorious victorious sons of god you don't think of peace (laughs) you think of violence usually right So, like, the way that Jesus phrases the kingdom of heaven, it's all backwards. And that includes the Lamb of God himself. That when he walks into the throne room, he walks in conquering like a lion. But the way in which he actually conquered was by shedding his own blood and being a uh, self-sacrificial lamb for everybody else. This is your key interpretive moment in the Bible upon which the rest of Revelation stands. There are so many moments... In revelation where i've heard people be like oh god's just out for blood ready to take people out now he's gotta be like no look he's a lamb like jesus is all bloody in this scene over here. It's like yeah it's his blood <laughs> you know like oh jesus has just crushed all his enemies and, and now there's an ocean of blood no that's the blood of the martyrs the ones who conquered by dying like there's gonna yeah there is justice there is judgment God is going to deal with everything that is wrong. Absolutely. I get that Revelation is is like the the ultimatum of that statement. I get that. But Jesus doesn't suddenly just become not Jesus in Revelation. And I think if you keep paying attention to the fact that he's going to reign through the rest of Revelation as a a his own blood soaked self-sacrificial lamb, you're going to interpret the rest of this book More pacifistically than than you thought. (laughs)
1: Because, like, to bring it to relevancy for Mm -hmm. current times, I mean, right now you're seeing Russia trying to conquer Ukraine. yeah, And they're doing it through violence, through force, through Mm -hmm. normal, typical means that we think of. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Is the other way to think about this is... Jesus conquers in the long term by sacrificing. Hmm. Because like in the short term, force seems to usually win. But then the ones that are oppressed or the ones that have been conquered typically revolt and the cycle continues again. Hmm. But whereas then what normally seems to bring lasting peace is when a side backs down and they're able to communicate.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. is always going to be a good example of someone who decided to conquer in a different way, right? Uh, Instead of pursuing violence, instead of pursuing war, he pursued the Sermon on the Mount, and he followed teachings of Jesus. And right there, Selma on camera, they let the whole world see, here's a bunch of peaceful people conquering by being beaten in the middle of the road until everybody's hearts were like... Oh my gosh, what are we doing? You know, like it woke people up to them, to their own selves. Now, we hardly ever see anyone fight back this way through the kind of conquering that Jesus does. Uh, And for that reason, we continually teach ourselves only one narrative. That if you're like going to be attacked, you attack back. Jesus is a lion. He's out for your enemies and he's going to maul them to death. You know, it's like there's... There's other ways, uh, and whenever whenever, um, whenever, we come across stories where people try another way, those are the ones that stand out. They don't always end well either. Martin Luther King was assassinated, right? He was killed for what he did. But did he conquer? There's still racism. We still have huge problems in race and and. Uh, it's almost as though we tried to just let racism in that will treat each other better But we didn't change the societal structures that would continue to create racism, but um, uh, he still in his own death and his own blood Conquered at least much I'd like to say much I don't know all the time uh, Conquered some of white American way of thinking that we all saw what he did and we're like wow this opened us up to ourselves. That's a Jesus way of conquering. And that's not something we see very often, which is why no one ever thinks it works. Because, <laughs> oh well, would that work? I don't know. No one ever tries it. That's that's usually where I want to start. But for Jesus, he looks at these martyrs and keeps reminding them, You are conquerors. You are conquerors, but we're being slain. You conquered. Like that's the backwards way of revelation. You don't see them doing what so many modern uh, interpretations of Revelation are where we all get ready for the Holy War and we're all ready to rise up and and kill anyone who's not Christian. Like, that's not where the Bible goes with this. And yet I've seen it in Christian music videos. Anime Christian music videos. (laughs) Wait, those are a thing? Crowder made a really cool anime Christian music video where Jesus, like, conquers Satan. I was like, oh, this is so great. Like, Jesus goes into hell conquer satan and then by the end of it it's like all christians are getting like ready for military battle with guns and tanks and i like okay we missed a point somewhere <laughs> like along the way somebody dropped the ball here like uh even when we get to the great war of armageddon it seems like jesus is the one who still conquers and it's by the sword and what's his sword his tongue it's his tongue it's his declarations right Jesus' judgment even though the whole army rises up with him nobody needs to do anything more than jesus just uh you judged you know like that's just kind of the way that it goes and we'll get into that more as we keep moving along but for me this passage is is crucial how do we fight and it's hard when you live in a world where you have things like ukraine and russia like how do you react the jesus way It's even harder for us to speak into that because we're not in the middle of that and we don't fully know how to even process uh, what that must be like, nor is it easy for us to give advice because we're not the ones dealing with it. Um, But we at least need to work to continually renew our minds to the Lamb of Jesus, even as we're processing what they're going through. That was something that I learned with my own pursuit of peacemaking was... um, I spent a lot of time in my life imagining bad scenarios happening to me and then once i realized jesus needed me to pursue that peacefully i then had to start imagining how i would do that and that sucked for a long time (laughs) because it's when someone breaks into my house like how do i you forgot your silver you know like how do i bishop lay miss them on their way out like because that that's renewed jesus thinking like that that can work. The bishop kind of got conquered, at least in the Liam Neeson version. He got punched in the face, not so much in the the uh, Hugh Jackman version, but like he took a beating and yet he still he still peaceably loves someone. So, anyways, any other thoughts? Okay, well, Turn the other cheek. There you go. That's all we had to say. We spend too much time saying just that. (laughs) But, yeah, this will become a key moment in the rest of Revelation. Anytime where we see Jesus, like, making us scared of blood and violence, we need to turn back to where does the blood belong? It's on him. Uh, What is the violence? It's his judgment. Uh, But is he calling us to be violent? No, he's calling us to be martyrs. And we'll have to deal with that as we keep going along here. So with that, join us on the Discord. Like, comment, subscribe. I took all of their things that they were supposed to say. Is there anything you'd like to add? Okay, bye! (music)